This week on Trek Mary Kill, Tuvok, Neelix, Tuvix. Next. A technological nightmare. I'm only getting one pattern. Merges Tuvok and Neelix together. They're gone. But when the two become one. What point did he become an individual and not a transporter accident? The result is unpredictable. Are Neelix and Tuvok inside of you? And the only option left. We've created a monster. Is unacceptable. Are you going to stand by and do nothing while she commits murder? On the next Star Trek Voyager. Trek, Mary, kill. Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Kristen. Hi, I'm Fantasy Sonai. Welcome to Trek, Mary, kill, a podcast where we attach radioisotopes to episodes of Star Trek we don't like in order to murder them. Joining us this week is the internet's Fanson So9, an online personality who trolls sports and pop culture and occasionally solves hate crimes. Fanson So9, welcome back. Hey, great to be back, especially for this episode. Hey, can I just jump in for a second? So the answer is kill, because that's what Janeway does. So <laughs> thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah. Um, we'll see you next week. week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's never been so clear before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you were on last time for Sunkatsi, where we uh-huh. uh, examined the meta-ness of the episode that had the rock in it. And this is just yeah. a straightforward moral problem in Star Trek. People are going to think I love Voyager, but I I, I don't. Really. <laughs> I've been on two Voyager episodes now. You agitated for this. Like, from that's the true. moment that this podcast was announced, you're like, I must do two Vicks. I must do two Vicks. Yeah, so, that's like our, the common thread is everyone's like, I'm so in, but I need to do this one episode. <laughs> and mine was Sub Rosa. That was my only condition. Oh, man. <laughs> and that I don't have to edit the episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so we're doing the Trials of Season 2 this month, and actually we're ending that theme, and we're going to start a new month uh, themed called Split Into. So I feel like this episode kind of straddles the line for both. It's kind of a trial. And then we got a split in two that both starts the episode and ends the episode. So two Vix, the one where Captain Catherine Janeway of the Federation Starship Voyager straight up murders a dude. Uh, that's what we're talking about this week. It aired on UPN May 6, 1996. Teleplay by Kenneth Biller. Story by Andrew Shepard Price with Mark Gaberman. Directed by Cliff Bull, Memory Alpha describes it. After a transporter malfunction, Tuvok and Neelix are merged into a single being. In the search for a way to restore them to their original forms, a moral dilemma is faced as the new being does not want to be terminated. Can you, can you, I, sorry, my mind is blown. I, I totally forgot this was just season two that they were pulling this episode out. Like yeah. that, that makes it even more crazy because like we don't know who these characters are or really care about them. Right. Like, <laughs> wow. I, I could have sworn this was like later season. I can't believe this was season two. Yeah, it seems like something you'd see way later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it affects the drama quite a bit. It's like, who is Kess? What is his, her yeah. relationship mm-hmm. with Neelix? Like, what is any of that about? And it sort of doesn't really register very much. But I mean, I just wanted to say this. He doesn't want to be terminated. Boy, howdy, does Tuvix uh, yeah. not want to be terminated. <laughs> that's sort of the whole thing. It's the thing that sticks in everyone's mind, I think, is it's the one time where we see uh basically the crew of a federation starship our heroes just surround a guy and say we're gonna kill you now and uh Uh and seeing a creature beg for its life is never something people like to see 
Fansons, do you remember the first time you saw this episode? Yeah, and, and it's weird because this was one of those episodes where, like, you remember it and it stood out, and you're just like, man, that was a rough episode to watch. That was really messed up, and it can't be that bad. And then rewatching it recently, it's like, no, it's still really messed up. Like, it's still, you know, there's, like, nothing that, that like, time hasn't been better to it or, or, or no follow-up to the show or anything else, you know, rewatching it has, like, made it better. You know, it's just... <laughs> I just remember watching it being like, wait, she's really going to kill a guy? And like, that was it. And it was like, it wasn't even like, yay, Neelix and, and uh, Tuvok are back. Because, hey, there were characters, you know, nobody cared about Neelix. <laughs> Tuvix was such a better character than Neelix anyway. So it's like, believe him, you know? So it's just like, oh, no, I don't think anybody was like, oh, this was really cool. <laughs> it was wild. And I just remember watching it again a couple of years ago when I did a Voyager rewatch and being like, no, this episode is still really fucked up. It surely is. Kristen, what about you? Do you remember the first time you saw this? I have never seen this episode before. Wow. Fresh and I was eyes. sitting down to watch it yesterday, and my husband sat down next to me and said, wait, you've seen this one, right? I'm like, no. And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and just, like, sat there silently while I watched it. Yeah. And then at the end goes, she killed him! <laughs> <laughs> And she, yes, she does. But I remember seeing an interview, like, they, they consider this, like, a trolley problem episode. Like, it reminds me. Yeah, that's exactly I know, what I, know, I was I seeing it. I know as. in Enterprise, they followed up. They did, a, they did, like, the same episode, like, with Similitude. Um, and it was, like, no better. Like, it was, it was but it, it was, like, at least there was, like, a struggle with, with Archer, who was hundreds of years beforehand, to be, like, huh, maybe we shouldn't kill this guy. But, um you know, it's weird. It's they've, they've been trying to like kind of do this again over and over again. And they, they, this is the one that got it like the most wrong. It would be like measure of a man. If they're like, you're right, get rid of Dave. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. That's how I felt watching it too. It's like, this seems like an ending that was in search of a story and they really yeah. were just trying to, I don't know. It, it's just, it's the problem Voyager had many times, especially early on. It's like, well, this is not how it would have gone down on the Enterprise. Right. Oh, no, I was thinking about that earlier today. We're like, that they would, first of all, Brian would be like, don't touch my transporter to do this. And then yeah. the minute mm-hmm. the was like, I'll do it myself. Like that crew would, breaker would have come in with everybody else with their phasers and been like, you know, back away. Like they would absolutely would have not have let that happen. But yeah. the weird thing to me I was thinking about was like, so when I brought up similar to the Enterprise episode, like it made sense on that episode because there was no prime directive. There wasn't really anything that they were, you know, that they knew they didn't have like a code about this. They were, they were kind of like, there was that, there was, there was all sorts of stuff they had on Enterprise that was like messed up. Like they, they stole a warp drive and left these guys stranded in like that weird part of space and basically killed them. But, you know, it, it, so, so being that it's Voyager like in, um, you know, like it, it, they're in the Delta Quadrant, the Federation is so far away, it doesn't apply, they can't do everything how they usually would. It's still weird that this was like the one episode that she like doesn't follow. You know, it's like everything else, she, they're so stringent and they're so like exactly how the cast of the Enterprise would answer. It's never really like a shade of even even DS9, which was like that was a frontier story. So they're breaking law to the law with this. I had to bend the law sometimes. Like Jamie was so straightforward in all these episodes. Like she never would take a shortcut. She never would do anything by like the time directive. She wouldn't interfere with other planets. But she killed like a one of a kind sentient being. So it's like it would have made more sense if, if this was a character that had a more of a shades of gray and doing what she needed to survive. But yeah, it was just such a weird 
ending for this, for the, for the way the series is done, you know, for the way the series was, you know, if it was really what it should have been, which was, you know, this kind of shades of gray, morally ambiguous thing, trying to do whatever it takes to get home, uh, it would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, I think the the little tweaks or complications the episode adds in actually think it makes the dilemma more intense. Like, she's right. She has that line where she's like, if we had just reversed this right away, this wouldn't have been an issue. And and there's also the whole idea of like, up until they announce, uh, your your shit's all tangled up. We we don't know how to detangle all the DNA. Like that really is this. That's been a few days, right? That Tuvix is walking around. He has his mm-hmm. name. I think that's the moment where everyone's like, okay, this is a real thing now. And like even Tuvix accepts like I am me. And it's like, so there was like even like this weird buffer period, even after the initial accident where it was like, there is a version of this where they just do it. And it doesn't feel quite as bad as it does. And so does that mean, that three weeks later, it's much of a difference. The difference simply being that he just begs for his own life and is fully aware of what's going to happen to him. I don't know. I I agree. He, she murders him, but I do think like all these little details that's different from similitude because similitude, they build in that timer, right? Like this being is going to live real fast and die. And uh, and we're going to meet it in the middle and harvest its organs that we need. But it's like, you know, this one was much more like, what if, what if there was no actual time crunch here? Um, and I actually think that makes it interesting in all that. It's just what you said before. If we knew these characters better or they were more interesting in their relationships, I think it would have added the depth that the rewatches might have rewarded, which do not do now. Uh, so we got the trolley problem mentioned, Kristen. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. uh, a philosophy student's written about this. Uh, there was a Starfleet JAG blog. So someone who a lawyer tries to write it from uh, you know, write about episodes from a perspective of a JAG officer in the 24th century and arrives at the conclusion of like, wait a minute. So Tuvix becomes a member of the crew, gets a rank and a position and and then she kills and then he's gone like that. No, she legally murdered him. All the circumstances. Uh, we've got uh, Trek super fan and film critic Jordan Hoffman. He wrote about this for Polygon back in 2021 quotes a bunch of, you know, a lot of uh, famous people from across the Star Trek universe, including Lower Deck showrunner Mike McMahon, who we'll talk about later. Um, AOC got involved. She and Kate Mulgrew had a <laughs> like a Twitter exchange about this. Uh, it's been memed. Kate Mulgrew seems to embrace it. Yeah, that's right. I murdered him. It happened. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing. I mean, I'm not, I don't even have like a problem with it, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, like Tuvix is very annoying, and <laughs> and he was well, for like a week, and it's like yeah. who cares? He's half Neelix, so of course he's annoying. It's built he's into his so DNA. Annoying! <laughs> oh my god, he is a Frankenstein-like abomination. Uh, everything about him is just so off-putting. So they tried to sidestep that a little bit, right, by saying he's perfectly healthy. Right. It's like they're just trying to say there's nothing urgent. It's yeah. he's like half Talax or he's like a third Talaxi and a third Vulcan and a third plant. And that all works. <laughs> like it just mm-hmm. makes sense uh, to get around the Frankenstein thing, which would have been, you know, that would have gotten away from the drama. Um, some specific thoughts. Kenneth Biller, who wrote uh, the episode, he said, 
that the earliest versions of the premise were like too comical, basically like <laughs> what if Tuvok and Neelix got together, what would they call themselves? And it was much more slapsticky, I guess, you know, how incongruous the, a Vulcan and a Talaxian are. Um, and it would have realized the original ending though, after he started working on it uh, and made it more serious was that Tuvix would realize he had to, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one and sacrifice himself. All that said, I think it, they landed on the more interesting ending. They didn't cheat with like some sort of injury or a ticking clock. Mm-hmm. Like he's got a terminal disease or whatever. Yes. And I, I think in one of the scenes later, there's definitely a moment that explains the emotional drive behind it. than just Janeway's a psychopath or something, which is sometimes something that gets thrown at her when she does erratic violent behavior but i don't know i think there's an emotional integrity to the decision believe it or not the the guy who played tuvix though actor tom wright he was unsure if he could discern a moral in the episode's plot <laughs> not one that i can pick out immediately there isn't any moralizing it's just a story about a character and you follow that character during the time he is alive uh and then i think it was inevitable that he would be separated there would be no drama without that separation so i completely agree that he should have been separated um, yeah, I mean, that's really the, the, I think the episode's biggest issue is outside of the ending, th- there's nothing to it. It's really pretty frictionless. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it would have made sense even if like something was wrong with the shit, you know, it's like, okay, there's been episodes where like they've killed a crew member before, like Gary Mitchell or something in, in original series. It's like, okay, he got like God powers and Kirk fought him and whatever, but it's like, it, it, it almost reminds me, I just was thinking, like, imagine if, like, the, the Tom Riker episode, if they just killed Tom Riker. They're like, oh, can't be too old Riker, sorry. You know, it's like, <laughs> that same logic was like, hey, something different. Can't, can't, that can't happen. So it, it is weird, just the, the lack of conflict outside of this. There's not really a B story. There's not really, you know, an overarching thing. It's just like, no, we're going to bring this guy and kill him, and then, you know, on to the next thing. You know, there's never, like, a comeback. They never have, like explore the trauma that they had being fused or deep in their relationship or whatever. It's just like, everybody's just kind of back to normal. Everyone writing Voyager has been writing, working on Star Trek for many, many, many years by now. This is, Mm -hmm. you know, this is not just the second season of Voyager. It's like the 10th or 12th season of the Rick Berman era Star Trek that they've been working on, you know, for a long time. So it's like a well-oiled machine, obviously, but also they're just like, we just got to make it. We got so many of these to make every year. We can't get into it. So again, Tom Wright, just going back to him, (laughs) he's like, he was kind of complaining like, well, when you're playing a character like Tuvix, which is very difficult to perform because you're taking two well-known characters and blending them into one, and you're essentially firing arrows in the dark at a very small target, you need support and guidance. I'm not asking anyone to hold my hand, because I've been acting for more than 25 years. Uh, it was just curious to me because I've worked with everyone from Francis Ford Coppola to John Sayles, all types of people. And I've seen many different ships in the water. I wasn't quite sure why some things were being done the way they were. I love when actors do that. <laughs> like I've worked with Francis Ford Coppola. I've yeah, worked with okay. <laughs> like, this is a highly irregular direction. But I think we've heard this a lot, especially with Voyager, and you can tell from the cast, where it's like, we don't give you a character, we just kind of like your look and your maybe general screen presence, and we let you build the character off. Yeah, of like you're a day player yeah. on a Star Trek show. <laughs> I love the... They, they, they should have just done the... Uh, 
the thing with two heads approach, just put a big shirt over him like in the Virgin Greer movie. <laughs> just put like a big shirt over Tim Russ and what's his name. And uh, and yeah, just, just done that, you know. That would have been yeah. more believable. I love the director, Cliff Bull, this old, old, you know, TV director has been doing it for so long. His just his point was like, ah, it, I've seen so many great actors get tackled by the makeup. They get so tired. <laughs> so it's just basically like any scenes he struggled was because he was tired and he was wearing the makeup, uh, which, you know, which was creepy looking whenever they remaster Voyager in the high def. I feel like Tuvix is going to have an entirely different uh, viewing experience. And I think we'll have a lot more people like Kristen being like, they should have killed Tuvix. He shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the hair alone. Yes, the, the hair is rough. <laughs> oh, he's perfectly healthy. Okay, if you say so. Uh, let's get into the grades. Uh, great scenes. Fansense, why don't you go first? For great scenes? Uh... Yeah. I mean, it's a rough episode. <laughs> yeah, I, well, was... I, I have one if you don't have one. Yeah, I have yeah, a few. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in the very beginning, Neelix singing the Vulcan funeral song because <laughs> it's the most cheerful one yeah. that he found. And just like Tuvok being like, oh, my God, I hate this guy so much. But of course, he doesn't <laughs> hate, but like just being so annoyed. Right. <laughs> and I... I think that's a good way of just establishing their dynamic, even if we haven't actually seen it on screen before. That's how all their scenes basically go. That's it's just kind of a reminder. If you've never watched the show before, this is how these two get along. Oh my God. Imagine if you've never watched the show before. <laughs> this is your first time you ever saw Voyager. Like, Oh, I got a Vulcan and uh, I don't know who I've this guy is. I've heard a lot is. about this show. Yes. <laughs> um, but also uh, when Tuvix is on board uh finally Kess is like oh hell no that is not my man at all like she <laughs> yeah, is that, so that, that's like a legitimately good scene and i think that's like her, yeah i think her subplot where it's like yeah she she's the one who kind of has to accept this now and he's just like hey what's up babe and she's just like what is this thing like i think it's yeah uh, you know i think that is an interesting part but i don't think it's developed enough i think it's just like she's uncomfortable but they never really go into like well what does that mean like, yeah. she knew this, you know, they're, tr- they're trying to slam in so many interactions with, with, you know, people being like, oh, here's how they're interacting the two things. And been, but it really should have just been mostly her story. I mean, that should have been, you know, more so even than Janeway. Janeway is just, I want my friend back. But, um, you know, with Kessis is someone like she's in love with and has a relationship with. And how does that change? And they didn't really go into it other than her just kind of being uncomfortable and being like, no, you know, fix this. Yeah, she's going to be dead in six years. Yeah. She just lost the love of her life, literally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that, about her lifespan. Oh, okay. That makes it even more sad, huh? Also, I was always like, why? what does she see in Neelix? But we all ask that question. I mean, that's just fair, outrageous. Yeah. It's the Delta well, Quadrant. It, it, their it, customs it, are unknowable. No, it's basically it's child grooming, if you want to go really go into it. But it's, uh, that's basically what it is. I mean, I the most uncomfortable part of the pilot was kind of introducing them where it's like, oh, so he has this essentially child that he's like grooming. Well, yeah. so that's so to me, that's the interesting tension that they could have played with because in Ocampan culture, you live nine years. I mean, is it 10 years and earth years for every that maybe that was the thinking behind it, but it's also like he's she can't possibly, even by Ocampan standards, be 
like a child. You don't have a lot of time to teach these people, and presumably yeah. they learn and and you know develop in a, in a completely accelerated way if that's the case. But um, t- to play against the tension, because the tension that you're suggesting, Fansense, is is a cultural tension, right? Where from the outside, N- Neelix is yeah. clearly grooming uh, grooming a child, but that's not technically the case, I guess. I don't know, man. I, he he he. Especially in the first and second season, he was like, I, I was comparing him to like, remember that guy Matt Forney that was always on Twitter that would write about like, you should go to Thailand because age can say. I wasn't trying to libertarian this, I swear. He's I was like not. one of those guys. He's 100% <laughs> one of those guys. That, that is, mm-hmm. he's literally yeah. space libertarian. Space libertarian. <laughs> trying to sell the crews his board apes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's I really... so funny, those guys almost went blind, by the way. That's what oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a common mistake, those UV lights. Uh, my first great scene was well after the transformation and he's like going with Kess to make uh, her some food because it's like their special omelet night or whatever, or crepe night, excuse me. And uh, they go into the mess hall and because Neelix is not there anymore, the crew is fending for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I just love that it's like, somebody's eggs are burning. Those are mine. Can you flip them for me? I don't know. For some reason, I was like, that, that was like the most human scene that I can remember. In yeah, I I put down. I like that he threw everyone out of the kitchen like a big old diva. He was just like, <laughs> "Get out!" Um, I like the pair of techno babble scenes where the first one being like, "We can't, we can't reverse this, so we've lost Neelix and Tuvok, basically." And everyone's sad. But then I also like the other scene where uh, where it's like, we figured it out. <laughs> and we yeah. uh, we used to make in on Earth. They used to make patients. Uh, put barium in their stomach so they could track intestinal problems. And, um, and, uh, and then that's when two or two Vicks announces he doesn't want to die. But ar- around that, there are some other, I think solid scenes. The, the scene where two Vicks, this is after we realize that he can't, it can't be reversed. And two Vicks goes to comfort Kess and tells her that he loves her. I like that Kess, how Kess points out that Neelix would have come to her if Tuvok had died and Tuvok would have come to her if Neelix had died. Um, I don't know. I thought that was neat. And then, but it was also just kind of flat because Kess really has no character. Like we don't know, even through yeah. her talking, it also just sounds like they're running lines, but I still thought it was like a nice, I don't know. Everyone was very respectful to Vix. I thought was like making it clear, but also giving a little distance. And that's why I thought it was funny. in the captain's log and <laughs> Janeway's like, yeah, two Vix is, He's not creeping on her. <laughs> yeah, respectful distance. Um, but we, you know, in that scene though, where he goes to her, like we we get a mention of Tuvok's wife. These are all important things to mention, and they they knock it out, and it's it's a nice scene. But I really want to talk about this scene, um, which I, I really it took me a while to like really accept what was going on in the scene because um, I really think about this now whenever I watch Voyager. I don't know about the two of you. So Kess goes to Janeway, and this is like. This is not the scene where Tuvix has asked her to intercede on his behalf when it looks like Janeway's going to kill him. Um, this is the other one, the first time where Janeway's in her nightgown mm-hmm. and they sit and talk. <laughs> and then Janeway goes, yeah, I wonder, you know, because uh, she's thinking about Tuvok and obviously Kess is thinking about Neelix. And she, Janeway asks her, do we accept that we are separated from our loved ones forever or do we hold on to hope that someday we'll be with them again? I think she, Kate Mulgrew gives an incredible performance in the scene because I feel like she's channeling what's happening in her real life. I don't know if you, either of you knew this, like you could have brought, you know, 
uh, Gates McFadden talks about how her son learned how to walk on the bridge of the Enterprise. You <laughs> could bring your kids to the show, but suddenly when they had a woman captain, she was cut off by the show from her kids who will not to this day watch Star Trek because it took their mom away from them. And Kate Mulgrew's life was kind of a living hell working on Star Trek for seven years. And obviously she tried to shove some of that off on Jerry Ryan when they brought in the young hot blonde to shove her aside. But I guess what I'm saying is like, she's channeling this idea of like losing people I care about. And am I ever going to see them again? Uh, And I, I don't know, maybe I'm over reading that, but it's still a great performance. And I really think it, it sets up the emotional stakes of the, of the episode because in that moment, Kate, you know, Janeway is saying, like, if I could make them appear again, I would. So at the end, when she has the opportunity, all I have to do is press a couple of buttons and I get two people I miss back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it like it makes perfect sense because of this scene. Yeah, but she didn't never she never got went back, went back for her lizard babies. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> did they? Know- <laughs> I mean, she had per- no personal attachment to them. So, and some mothers just give thing. up their kids yeah. after they're born. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> but no. But it's interesting. It is a, that does kind of become a through line. I mean, it's like not if you like in the finale of um, Voyager. It's like she's willing to risk everything just to get seven or nine back. And even in Prodigy, the whole through line of Prodigy is that she's looking for Chakotay. The whole, uh, yeah, the whole through line is, is, you know, personally, here's someone that she has a personal connection with that she's looking to, to like rescue. So it's like, you know, she's, she's more of, you know, along the lines of like, you know, like the, this, these connections doesn't want to lose anybody, doesn't want anybody to go. And I think, I guess it started here, but that, that's, you know, there is always kind of that trend of like, you know, the her and seven, seven or nine being like best friends in the world never made a whole lot of sense, but. <laughs> But, you know, the, the fact that that was like, you know, staked as her legacy. It was like, oh, she rescued people and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to ever leave anybody. I guess you could say that had its kind of origins and or shows itself, I guess, in Tuvix. Do we want to say this is a great scene where she meets with Tuvix and she's like, well, I just want to hear your thoughts before I made my decision. And he's like, your decision. It's my life. Um, yeah. And and she keeps she says it twice. Like, what about the voices we can't hear? There's two voices we can't hear right now. And I'm like, it's. She's about to go stand in front of a Planned Parenthood or something. Where <laughs> she's talking about the yeah. uh, uh, Tuvok yeah. and Neelix there, but I don't know. Is that a great scene? Because I, I mean, I'm putting it there because it it is the typical Star Trek scene where they're talking about the actual right moral dilemma that's here, that's present, where all the sides of the issue are being presented in kind of an academic way, and it's like one of the most interesting ones I can remember Voyager having. And then I put the last six minutes. Yeah, I thought the the direction and the scenes in um, Sick Bay was interesting and kind of like added to the drama there. All right, so you're watching this for the first time. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I kind of understood what was happening because I've seen episodes after this one aired and Neelix and Tuvok are still there and this guy isn't, so... It wasn't difficult to puzzle out what was going to happen. I think I remember was like, uh, are they really going to do this when I'm watching this and I'm <laughs> 15 or whatever? And I'm like, wow, this is I mean, I had no emotional attachment to Neelix or Tuvok. So <laughs> there was that element of it. So it really just came down to they're cornering the pig that they're going to kill. 
you know, that kind of thing where it's just like, this is an animal almost he's, he's begging for his life. Uh, Tom Paris being stone faced. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's something about Tom Paris's face is just very upsetting. So yeah. I, <laughs> I think we talked about that before, haven't we? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. I have some Tom Paris thoughts. He's barely in this one, but it was enough to be annoying. Um, is it was, Harry in this one? Is Harry Kim in this one? I don't he is in this one did. a few times. They have him randomly mm-hmm. playing clarinet to show off that uh, Garrett remember, really clarinet. He's a clarinet nice. player. That's right. Um, and then he's the doofus that messes with the transporter before they do the beam up. Um, they should have just ended it with being like, all right, well, Harry Kim, you're Neelix now. Go. That's how we fix it. <laughs> you go to the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. You're Neelix now. We, we, got him. we can't get him back. We'll get as close as we can. You're yeah but i remember watching it but i remember watching it like you did be like how are they going to end this and i i figured it would be like a tom Riker thing where they would figure out a way to get all three of them back and then be like thanks to vix like here's a shuttle go because i knew that wasn't gonna be a cast member but you know i was like oh go explore <laughs> and learn or whatever but nope they straight up worked them and i was kind of just like wait what yeah the other way they could have done it was like oh it turns out this plant thing because you're part plant you need to be on that planet that's where those proteins <clears throat> are that's going to keep you alive like that yeah. kind of another thing um, I mean, I kind of liked, I liked the doctor refusing and, you know, if Janeway really was psychotic, she would just like deactivate the EMH for that moment. But she doesn't, she's like fully respectful. I, I really, yeah, cause she respects re- a hologram more than a living being. She's more respect and more, more courtesy for a, for a literally a hologram than like a sentient being. I don't want to hurt the hologram. I don't want to hurt the hologram's feelings, but let's kill the thing that's screaming, that's begging to, to stay alive. I know. I'm so annoyed that not one person tried to slow down that whole process. No. So annoyed. Like Harry <laughs> Kim didn't just have to hand it to her. He could have like just put it, you know, made it clear that she was making a decision that really only she and maybe and Kess wanted that would have been an, an interesting way to like, go too, because Harry Kim, like he looks up to her. And in that moment, you could have really made it clear. Like this is not the right thing to be doing. But that's like not just, this show though. This show just, is like, about blind yeah. loyalty to Janeway. But just imagine like if, 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 if Riker was her first officer, like that wouldn't have happened. You would have got the Riker, mm-hmm. you know, this is out of line. Jean-Luc. Like you would have, you would have had a straight up, like, indignant Riker moment and you know there's nobody to do that you know yeah, I loved him <laughs> taking one last look at Kess uh I thought that was nice and um and I did like Janeway uh having her really twisted uh Cisco moment where she walks out and she's like I don't know if I can live with this and then she kind of like makes that look where she's like no I can live with that <laughs> she just <laughs> keeps going <laughs> uh best Trek tropes transporter accident Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I also put uh, when Tuvok says, I do not experience exhilaration. So you just have to know, like, remind yourself that he's a stick in the mud. I like that this really puts the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few Star Trek idea to the test. So nice mm-hmm. test. test on the- yeah. <laughs> What's it? Um, I, I'm putting this under best Trek trope just because it amuses me. A Starfleet course being remembered in perfect detail and it helps out in the situation. In this case, when they're on the planet collecting uh, samples to do research, uh, Bolana is on the planet with Torres and she says, I never thought the botanical science class would come in so handy. I swear to God, I don't remember my college lessons. That well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have Boothby. Yeah. But also in that scene, this is where I'm going to bring back my Tom Paris thought. Why is he always out of breath when he says his lines? 
Here you go. One cries like is he is is Robert Duncan McNeil just like nervous and that's why he moved behind the camera so he's like he's on camera he's like he's very tense in all of his line deliveries he's like sucking in air well you know that's just how it is when you're piloting the Voyager oh Alana oh does Harry he have <laughs> emphysema maybe I don't know is he a, is he a smoker can we can't just blast in a heater you can get COPD from other things besides smoking. Like sucking on tailpipes? I guess I don't know how. No, you I think it like it. it could be like really bad asthma or something, or yeah. Mm. Oh well, but then you I'm much more. Like, um, okay, maybe he has asthma. That makes sense. or whatever. Okay. Right. Anyway. I mean, asthma is probably the most likely, or just someone who never learned breath control in any acting class. I'm also. I'm pretty sure that this is not when their relationships coming around, but I like that immediately, for what the. Torres Paris relationship as weird as it as it is and probably shouldn't work. It is a thing I think of fondly because watching just the two of them together, I'm like, oh yeah, Tom Bolana, that's nice. So that was good. <laughs> so the doctor being really smarmy and snobby, especially about Tuvix and him how he finds him so annoying he doesn't want him in sick bay at all and like begs Janeway to give him a job. But then is like, oh no, I can't kill him. Yeah. This Doctor 1.0, the one where once he starts getting free, he gets a little too sassy. Yeah. He flies a little too close to the sun. <laughs> also, I have um, x-rays being called primitive. <laughs> um, and also, of course, the when Tuvix is pleading for anyone on the bridge to help him, nobody does because they are so loyal to Janeway. They're just not going to do it. He scurries, runs around the bridge, trying to, and the one time someone's not able to get by a Starfleet security officer, the ones, yeah, (laughs) they actually get to the doorway and block him in a timely fashion. Usually they're just hapless. Uh, Fansons, any uh, best Trek tropes for you? Um, hmm. Oh, we'll move on. We'll just go to worst Trek tropes. Yeah, the worst Trek tropes kind of general vibe. Uh, yeah, yeah. I put their general incompetence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the 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 transporter glitch before the beam up was kind of basically a red herring, I think, because yeah. as we see, it has no bear. It's like no, this is like one of those weird things where the transporter does not work on on beaming up this plant. It screws with the matter stream, and it's like, which is a cool idea in and of itself. So then uh, you have this red herring, but I think it's just more like you got Harry Kim, you got these people who shouldn't be in deep space this long because Voyager is not designed for a long term voyage. And here they are well stressed, well beyond their skill level trying to fix things. And uh, this is what we get. Yeah. Um, so so we agree that that Voyager is kind of like the, the, the intergalactic short bus a little bit. <laughs> Well, the thing is, is like, it's very clear Janeway is the only competent officer yeah. on the ship. Literally, she has yeah. to do it all herself. So it's just, <laughs> Tuvok is okay. Tuvok has his yeah. moments. But that's so. just because he's a Vulcan. It doesn't, yeah, he's right. not like a particularly useful, right. like as far as Vulcan power rankings go, he yeah. I, he's not at the top for me, but um, he's more useful than that one Vulcan they had on Picard though. They had one on, um, remember she gets killed. And I remember when we were doing those episodes, like, man, she's useless. She hasn't come up with any of the, like, should she have figured all this stuff out? Yeah, the bald one. He got jacked. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. 
Um, I also, this is a personal pet pet peeve for me is the cooking on Star Trek. I should give them a bit of a pass, but I I can't because obviously they can't do it. And Neelix has gone for what, like 12 hours and they're just, they're going to starve to death. Yeah. yeah, They're going to starve to death. (laughs) (laughs) The the Voyager crew is a ship of Sims and it's it's just Jane. It's like trying to make sure they don't like drown. The Sims that you took all the free will away. So they won't even like go to the bathroom on their own. And they'll literally just like sit there and starve. Yeah. That's what they are. That was why they added seven of nine. They're like, we need one other person. Another competent person. But it's also like even the musical moment. I consider that kind of a worst check. It's like they don't they don't really deserve to have a musical. You know, they don't deserve to have their their their. You know, it's like the Enterprise like did shit and it was like, all right, now we're doing a musical. Now we're doing this. You know, there's 200 people on that ship. There's like 50 people on Voyager. They're not really doing anything. What do they need to What do they need to have a musical uh, interlude for? Yeah, I was like, dude, just cook. Don't sing. It's like, you know, it's like nobody, they haven't earned, again, it was all stuff they haven't earned. They're just like, oh, well, you know, a, a lot of my problem with Voyagers, I guess, is they were trying so hard to get back to TNG after they went in a different approach with DS9 that like a lot of what they do is because this is what they did in Next Generation. So it's like, yeah, why does Harry Kim need to play the clarinet? Oh, because uh, they, they played instruments in Next Generation. <laughs> well, why does there, you know, Neelix singing a Vulcan song? Oh, well, because... Next Generation always had a song, and you know it's just like, uh, yeah, it's like they, if, don't, like they don't need to. These aren't those guys. Yeah, but like if Worf and Barkley got merged together, which I guess would be the equivalent. <laughs> that no, that but, but that's the one time. That's the one time the ship I think would have been like, yeah, no, the <laughs> Well, that's so that's what I'm saying. Separate like, them, but only if it kills Barkley. I can see them saying. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, but any you know, if it was Roe and Troy, I don't know. If like any next generation pair, you would immediately go like, "Oh, this is not going to stand together." Rick would love that if it was Roe. <laughs> of, yeah, sure. yes, like, of course, like, yeah. I think I think some of the crew would be like, "Well, let's hold on just a minute." <laughs> yeah. Yar, Tasha Yar, and her sister. Wait, what? No, Ishara uh, and Tasha. No. Well, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like in a next generation scenario, obviously you'd immediately, the audience would be like, reverse it, reverse it, reverse it, mm-hmm. reverse it. And I think the reason why Tuvok or Tuvix as an episode sticks is because we're like, well, hold on. Who are these characters? How do we yeah. know one plus one doesn't equal two? It's better. Like it <laughs> and, literally uh, would have been more interesting. Like, to, like Tuvix was a better character compared yeah. to what Neelix ends up. He just ends up like, leaving the ship to like chill with the rest of his people. And it's like, okay, well then what was his point ever? really being there and yeah. like, I mean he was a know. failed comic relief from the jump and yeah. I don't yeah I mean they I mean I do like Tuvok eventually but Neelix can go yeah Neelix I think in the pilot there was like okay maybe this could be interesting and then very quickly yeah and then they, no. very quickly they lost all that <laughs> and I was always uh, and trying to figure out with things like what's the who is the, okay, so like everybody, it's like, this is the, you know, like, okay, Tom Paris, I guess, is like the Riker, you know, and it's like, you know, it's like, I guess, Bolana is like a combination of data and, or no, Tuvok is the date, you know, like they're trying to throw up other shows. But then, like, who's Neelix? What, there's no real comic relief on Star Trek. I yeah, mean, it's, not like a, it's not like a character that you like immediately, like Quark, you know, like if yeah. Quark is merged with somebody, like, oh no, we, we would prefer to have him back not My, this new guy there's not there's not usually a comic relief 
area in these shows that they're filming. Mm-hmm. Like, why was Neo such a weird character? He's like, well, he's literally like, just there to be comic relief. He doesn't fit yeah. any of the tropes and the roles that we're used to in a Star Trek show. And he doesn't have like his own story or his own like world really yeah yeah but unlike quark like, like it's like oh let's check in and see what quark's doing oh he's swindling someone that's funny yeah, yeah. but like not a per like it's it ha- just happens to be funny it's not like let's just write some slapstick for him or something God, i remember in, there's a ds9 episode where you think uh Morn die and it's just like literally the entire episode is like oh yeah can't have killed like that was everybody it did that like for a character you see for two seconds an episode never talks you know, whereas I think when Neelix was dead, he was like, ah, okay, cool. Yeah, let's, let's see what happens here. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> had a good run. So, um, and I, I, I put this under worst Trek trope, although I'm probably going to have to reassign. I just didn't know where else to put it. But like Janeway in her captain's log is saying that Tuvix is a better cook than Neelix. Like she didn't have to do him that dirty. Like as far <laughs> as she knew at that point, he was gone forever. And this is like the permanent log of the ship. Yeah. And she was like, and if I'm being honest. And it was a permanent log that's in that like museum where that, that Voyager Museum in the future episode where yeah. they the worship. It's on the record that like Neelix was trash. Like yeah. he does one thing and he's trash at it. And like that's in this like advanced civilization, you know, that studies Voyager forever. It's like, well, this guy sucked ass. Uh <laughs> it in the log. So the first scene of the episode features Tuvok and Neelix. You pointed this out as a great scene, Kristen. It, mm-hmm. It collided into one of the laziest writing crutches that Star Trek does, which is like, we just need to get these pages down. So we just need to have characters argue over the most pointless, useless thing. And aren't they like arguing over like how nice of a day it is? Like, that's literally what yeah. the con- yeah. the conflict is. Remember the, the very last episode of Next Generation? It starts with Worf and Troy on a date. And she's talking about how nice the date was. And Worf just says... Oh, stimulating. And she's like, that's all you can say is it's it's like because the characters can't actually have beefs with each other. They have to argue over basically semantics or like whatever. And it's just like it's literally the the screenwriting book start on conflict. It's yeah. like introduces mm-hmm. a scene on the conflict, and it's like, well, okay, but it's not interesting conflict. And somehow they're able to land on the most stale, boring ass conflict that you can imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, that that was one of mine. I have, oh yeah, that was my only one. But so. they also use it. The, my favorite version of that, though, my favorite part of the trip, sorry, is when they do that exact same scene, but they're wearing like ridiculous clothes because they're coming out of the holodeck and having a boring conversation. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's still there's no point to this discussion, but they're dressed as like. Naval officers, you know, or like, yes, yeah, most of its time quality. Well, Dead Man Walking and Seven came out the year before, so I kind of think that there was some idea of like, how do we again, what I said before, like, it's an ending in search of a story, like, finding something that kind of drew on we got Death Row, but then also something that's supremely up. So I feel like there that was kind of in the air. Was this, was this near that? What was that lady that brought who was on the tube? Was that before or after? Shivo? Oh, the yeah. Terry Shivo? This was probably yeah, before. Being, yeah, uh, be later. This At was least five or six. This was okay, six so years before, I think. That. So was there any... I think I don't remember if there's any kind of like right to life type story. Well, I mean, this is like post Kevorkian. Yeah. yeah, and this is all... I mean, it does have a lot of like personhood nonsense undertones i will in my opinion but um this is 1996 so i mean 
abortion was always some kind of issue. I mean, that was like, is that a election year? 96? Oh, yeah. Yes. 96 so, was, yeah. probably. <laughs> uh, I also had for... Oh, this is, then this would be, this would be the, what the Republicans say is the Democrats do. They, they're, they're formed. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an organism that's formed and they still separate them. They separate them after the formed. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, obviously, every time there's a Voyager episode, we have to mention Neelix. He is the most 90s creation ever. Right, certainly mm-hmm. down to his wardrobe, but his his makeup, his hair, and then mm-hmm. we get an episode where he's fused with the Vulcan. It's like it's pretty, it's a pretty ninety style. Um, um, I I also put the indoor tropical garden set. <laughs> oh right, the stage. And yes, <laughs> that one little I, section of the stage. Yep, <laughs> that Julie Andrews Sound of Music wig they got on Kess. <laughs> with the baby. Like the, the yeah no it was bad, and then um Janeway's satin nightwear. I was full I was, satin nightwear. She wears that a couple of other times in season two at least. I think she probably wears it in season one. I was like, is that just a reuse of Gates McFadden's from? Next no, Gen? Okay, it is no, 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 no. Okay. All right, no, no, no. They would never she- do that. <laughs> and then Tuvix's apron just <laughs> right. looks wild. They never explain either why his clothes fuse because he's got like the Neelix color yeah. uniform. It's like, like is that like part that. of the plant part? I was like, what's going on with the outfit? It took everything. It's symbiogenesis, even the threads, man. Mm. But whose dick does he have? <laughs> well, does he have two? They never get that interesting with it. <laughs> well, I, there is a line I put down that does touch on it a little bit. Well, you know, Tubix is his bigger. Because you know, I don't want to say it, but you know, two bucks. You mean yeah. two bucks is bigger? Yeah. Well, he was two bucks. It must have been bigger than two. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I got to put this in here because I think it, this might tie into the bad ad, the the scam artist who was advising them on all the uh, indigenous people Uh-oh. info for Chicote. So in the bridge scene where Tuvix is first on on duty and he mentions he fixed something. That Tuvok said it was going to take 10 days, but he fixed it like in two hours because he had a hunch. Uh, and then like they're really surprised and he and Janeway walk away and Chakotay says, there's an old saying, the whole is never greater than the sum of its parts. Am I missing something? Isn't the saying the whole is greater than the sum of its parts? Yeah. Yes. So then what the f*** is this? What's going on here? <laughs> What's happening? Is it a joke? Because it's not delivered as a joke, which Robert Beltran is a suboptimal actor, so I can buy that it's... He's just blowing a joke and they didn't have time to go back and shoot it again. But it's like, what's happening there? I'm putting it under the bad Chakotay uh, uh, background as like as like this got thrown in. They were yeah, are there like, any Native American sayings we could yes. put in this part? Uh, and, yeah. And the scammer um, was like, it's this one. It's actually the reverse mm-hmm. <laughs> of, what, of what the white man says. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for the line must be drawn here. Great lines. You're acting more Tuvakian than usual this morning. I, I appreciated that line, even though Neelix does drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. Calling some something Tuvakian was great. Uh, Kristen? In the past 24 hours, I've undergone rigorous diagnostic testing, yada, yada, yada. And I've been poked and prodded in organs I didn't even know I had. <laughs> so now you're suggesting Neelix was dickless. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, something's going on there. 
that is the implication, and that it certainly look, sounds the. I mean, the way Janeway looks, that's how she took it too. <laughs> now I kind of want to track the writer down and ask him, like, what did Tuvix's dick look like? Oh god, it's probably like too like a. Uh, Forked or something. Imagine how happy he would be. Everybody's just like, so why would you have Tuvok Tuvix die? And I'm like, hey man, I gotta talk to Tuvix. Uh, so what did the dick look like? I'm like, oh my god, it's a different question. Well, anyway, I was, you know, <laughs> be refreshing to be asked about that for once. Uh, I have three more lines that I liked. Uh, anyone else have anyone? I have one more. Go ahead, Kristen. Um, when they're in, uh, when. Tuvix shouts sex and then Janeway says, I beg your pardon. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed the trailer scene for this ridiculous studio comedy. Why don't you call me Nevok? Wait, this is better. How about Tuvix? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, uh, so at what point did he become an individual and not a transporter accident? Janeway asks. I like that line. And then I like Tuvix's line. I have the will to live of two men. Look at me, Captain. When I'm happy, I laugh. When I'm sad, I cry. When I stub my toe, I yell out in pain. When I trip on my dick, I giggle. Uh, I'm flesh and blood, and I have the right to live. Uh, oh, my forked dick. <laughs> oh, no, I actually did have one line. I did have one line down. And this falls into this falls into trope too, because it's always technical explanation, and someone says, "Oh, it would be like if you did this," and like a common thing for for the yeah. audience. So when they're literally talking about like how they're gonna rip them apart, he's like, "Oh, I suppose it's like trying to attract the flour, the eggs, and the water after you bake the cake." It's like, <laughs> "Oh, oh yes. <laughs> this very typical, you know, yep. Star Trek explanation." And I also like how they all just kind of like ignore it that and move on. Gives that any weight. <laughs> uh, the Anton Critian Award for Best Performance. Fansense 09, please. I'd like to hear what you guys I, I mean, I think the guy who played Tuvix was, was fine. Yeah, that, I think, was, I think, that was my summation I mean, of the performance. It was fine. It was fine. It was good. I mean, he, he you know, he, he pulled it off. He kind of had like the mannerisms of each character. It's interesting. I really like, like that. I was reading about him earlier, and it was like he he uh, he never actually like dealt with the like studied their characters. He just talked to the two actors, and was like, "All right, I'll just base it off of them," which I thought was kind of was kind of cool. He kind of made it his own, so it was like, you know, I, I, I mean, he did as good as could be asked for knowing he was only there for one episode, and probably like he said, not understanding what the moral is or what was going on, and and everybody else trying to just kind of like, all right, get over with, get it over with, and and. Uh, I don't know, we were trying to get the lunch. Hurry up, do your scene. So I, I do like the like, implication that he asked everybody, "Well, who are these characters?" And literally, not even the actors playing them could tell him what mm-hmm. the characters were all about. That really does tell you what Voyager was was going on there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I put Kate Mil- Milgrew actually. Oh, I saved her for the Shatner. Oh, okay, well, oh yeah, I, I had her for the Shatner as well. I think she that that look that look she they, gives him when she's like stepping the turbo lift. Murder, yeah. yeah, she's like she. That's a meme now. That look, her eyes are piercing, but she's like looking up at him when he's standing there. I don't know. Maybe she's both. Maybe she's Anton Critian and Shatner. Because I really think that scene with the end, she really has to be like, I'm not being evil, but I cannot uh, allow even a moment's hesitation in this situation. It's got to be. Done and done immediately. What part of this will they teach at Starfleet Academy then? You may need to make some tough choices. <laughs> yeah, well, the Tuv- uh, well, the Tuvix conundrum, it's got to be in like a philosophy class. Mm-hmm. 
Although, actually, we will find out when we do our Tuvix episode from Lower Decks that that's not mm-hmm. the case. Yeah. So it should be. What would be, you know what? They, nobody was there in Starfleet. She should come back and be like, hey, you know, guys, that was Mirror Universe Me. It was a really weird. We switched. <laughs> yeah. Mirror Universe Me came over for a little bit. I was trapped, but now it's cool. I wasn't even there for that. And they, they have <laughs> I no didn't proof. do any of it. They have no proof. They would just be like, okay, yeah. But also, she's Admiral Janeway now. Surely she could have that classified or something. <laughs> like, just that didn't happen. No. <laughs> Yeah, it just, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's weird that also that she was considering all the, you know, it, it, it's all the shit that she did. She's still Admiral is, is kind of crazy. Yeah, I would say the symbiogenesis, maybe, like with the transporter beam, especially, like that something like that could happen. Like our amazing magical technology can still be foisted by nature in certain mm-hmm. situations, which I think was an interesting idea, which maybe later seasons of Voyager, they would get more obsessed with the technical side and it's good that they didn't hear but yeah could this episode have been hornier and would that have made it better (laughs) yeah it could have been hornier but please god i'm don't make it hornier it would not have made it any better you would have had to make tuvix hotter yeah but he isn't hot so therefore well i mean yes okay you would have had to make tuvix attractive okay Billy D. Williams in in Neelix's clothes. There we go. <laughs> Billy D. Williams. God, that would have been Nineteen ninety six. Billy D. Williams. If they had done this today, maybe two is in multiple episodes, and that relationship with Cass actually turns into something. I don't know, but yeah, in this episode, it, I don't think it makes it better. It is wild that they just never speak of this again. <laughs> I mean, but, to be fair, the crew of the Discovery would have done the same shit. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, So, I mean, we're still talking about it. So does that make it a Trek, marry, or kill? And I will start with our esteemed fans in So9. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it's it's fun to say kill, but I think it is. I mean, I I don't know. It's tough because it is, for all its faults, it still is something that people talk about. I mean, I yeah. don't know if that's a success. I mean, people still talk about the the what, what's the the, the Alamoran like people still talk about that shit. But there's the a different set. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like people look at this like, oh, this is a bad episode. You know, it's like I don't think people look at it as so much like this was terrible. This was like a low point. People look at it as like, yeah, it's not a Spock's brain yeah. situation. Yeah, so it's like it's weird because it's like it's it's the one episode everybody talks about when you branch and boy. Everybody says, oh, two things. <laughs> it's like their signature episode, but really it's an unimportant episode for the continuity. It's kind of just like a throwaway little thing. Nothing in it matters. Nothing in it has any impact on anything else. But it's like really part of the legacy of like a major character and, and the major show. So I don't know. I would probably say Trek. It's, it's just you, you kind of have to just based on like its impact. Kristen? Yeah, I don't think I could kill this episode just because it, I mean philosophy PhDs are writing about it like there's an impact there so I'd probably give it a trek as well yeah I would too I mean the last six minutes are something we have never seen on Star Trek before since the the vibe the, the feeling of it I don't think we've ever seen before since um, which is saying a lot because Star Trek has certainly done a lot of stories could we could we end it the same way in 2023 i know i just jokingly said that could discovery would do the same thing but would they would they end an episode would, would this be the outcome of this episode written today for new track i think you could land on the same ending but i think the the fallout would be different 
or or uh, even the circumstances there might be other characters trying to you know slow things down muck it up I, I think the only way to do it is he would have to volunteer or the ship would have to be in danger and it would have to be truly like a trolley problem you know it's like trolley, I, feel, I, like, I feel like that's the same one person yeah well I feel like that's the same set of circumstances that they had then maybe this was just a situation where given where it was on the in the history of Star Trek and how, how many episodes they've made where they were at their point in the season, what was going on with UPN. Maybe it was just like, there wasn't a lot of pushback. It's like, let's just see what happens. This is an interesting enough story. It, it you know, jumps over all the network checkpoints. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a great point, but I guess what you're, what you're suggesting though, those conditions existed then. And like enterprise to your point, that was all about like, as long as the ship's in jeopardy, you can do whatever you want like that kind of thing. And you could excuse away a lot of stuff. And so maybe that's what this one was missing was the ship in jeopardy part of it. Yeah. And I also think though, this show's unique in that they're stranded somewhere else. And I think that is like a, a condition that does alter all the calculus for this decision. But they, but they never act this way in any other episode. I mean, that's the thing. They're so rigid and like Janeway is so rigid by the book. and so starkly. They never make decisions like this. That's what I was saying earlier. It's like if every episode had this like moral ambiguity to it and they, they knew they had to break the rules and they knew they kind of only had each other. But everything is so rigid. Everything is so prime directive and rigid and by the rules that it just seems weird that this is like that's why this one stands out so much because it's just like that doesn't really fit in with like everything we know about the show and the character. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kess coming over being the closer there on the decision, going and crying in Janeway's arms. Maybe mm-hmm. you need. Maybe you just needed more of that. Please, please wipe out that species. <laughs> like, maybe yeah. you just need more of that. <laughs> I can't stand looking at him. Women, women, be, <laughs> women be killing new species. <laughs> I can't stand looking. At him. She's so happy when Neelix comes back, though. The music so everyone, even is triumphant. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like, "Oh, okay, cool." <laughs> All right. So, guess what, everybody. Stay tuned because we are going to be doing two Vicks from Lower Decks right now. 